New Right Network presents, right now, the featured podcast of New Right Network. Mobilizing, countering the left, energizing the right. New Right Network, home of the New Right Movement. Before we get started, I want to tell, welcome you to uh, right now. Uh, and if you want, you can head over to nrnplus.com. It's the premium membership for the New Right Network. Uh, you can support conservative independent media for the low, low price of $9.95 a month or $79.95 for the year. If you like what you're doing, like what we're doing, go head on over to www.nrnplus.com. Again, that's www.nrnplus.com. Dot com. And today with me is an incredible guest. Uh, she was uh, the candidate for Senate, for Senate in Delaware, and uh, she is just an amazing woman, has some very interesting things to say on social media. Uh, Lauren uh, Witzke, how are you doing today? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. And I was so happy that you asked me and invited me to come on your show. So thank you. I appreciate well, it. We uh, we've been a big fan of yours over here at NRN. We posted several of your videos, several of your tweets uh, for the last several months. I know we we wanted to have you in. We're really excited to have you in today. Oh yeah, thank you. And I'm sorry I wasn't able to make it during my campaign. Um, <laughs> you know how it is. It was crazy, but I'm a huge fan of yours too. So that's perfect. I especially right. I especially liked your new tweet that came out. Uh, today about the stimulus package. It was so accurate because it depicted, it said, this is basically the stimulus package and it was Chuck E. Cheese tokens. Like genius, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> $600, we're saved. Chuck <laughs> <I>, changed. <laughs> yeah, I could I could maybe go take myself to Disneyland. Yeah. Or <laughs> no Chuck kids, e. Cheese. just me. <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit, how was the experience of running for Senate? Uh, because that was your first political office you ran for, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's my first time running for office. Um, I really ran the first time, like when I made the decision to run, I was sick and tired of all of my friends overdosing. I was sick and tired of my friends dying. I was sick and tired of yet another friend overdosing in a McDonald's parking lot or the Big Lots parking lot. And it was all extremely sad to me. I was getting even more frustrated uh, that our politicians were not talking about it, nor were they doing anything to address it. It was just getting progressively worse. Um, I'm in recovery myself. So recovery is really important to me. I was working uh, as a program director in recovery ministry. So I'm really passionate about it. It's something that I really tackled in my campaign when I first launched, um, you know, actually the entire time. I mean, it was the basis of what it was founded on. Um, and, you know, it was my first time running, but I was like, you know what, if nothing else, I'm going to force our politicians to start talking about it. I'm going to force these big bad Democrats like Chris Coons who have infinite money, have never experienced really anything in real life. And I was like, I'm going to force them to talk about it. Um, so that is what I did. And I went out there and I ran on issues that mattered. Um, 
you know, working class citizen issues, you know, the working class is the most disenfranchised voting demographic in the nation. Um, that's because we have, even in the Republican Party, these big business sellouts who will replace you with cheap foreign labor, um, force you to become dependent on the government. And it was just, uh, you know, a lot of issues. It was a multifaceted, it was a very issue-based campaign. And we did really, really well. Um, mm -hmm. For my first time running, I garnered 50,000 more votes than any Republican Senate candidate in Delaware history, um, which is absolutely amazing. So, you know, it is a message that resonates and people, when you go out there, people just want to know that you're going to fight for them. That is what our politicians have failed to do. Um, and that is why you're going to see an insurgent of young new America first candidates getting out there running for office and primarying uh, these GOP establishment hacks mm -hmm and taking on the big bad Democrats because we can. And you know what? Had it been any other year, had it been 2014, had it been 2010, I would have beat Chris Coons by 50,000 votes. It was just a really bad year uh, with mm -hmm. the, he walked into election day with 156,000 mail-in ballots already in his pocket. I just couldn't beat it. Um, so, you know, it was just a crazy year to run. However, I was able to give a national message and um, it went really well. And I'm really glad I did it. And I wanna encourage others to do it as well. And I wanna help others. Well, Delaware is a deeply blue state. So the fact that, you know, you you made the race competitive, you know, yeah. really that says something right there. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's um, one thing I, I actually tweeted this out earlier today that I've always gone through. When it comes to populism, in American history, populism always wins out eventually. It might not be this election or the next election, but it doesn't go away. And uh, right. yeah, a lot of people in the GOP establishment, I think they're thinking that things are going to go back to the way it was. And I don't see that happening. No. Yeah. And even in the Democrat Party, you're seeing a left wing populist movement, um, like the Andrew Yang, uh, the AOC, even though their policies they aren't great. They aren't, you know, they aren't really well thought out, you know, like Medicare for all. It makes sense if you would let us secure the border and deport all the legals. It's not Medicare for everybody. However, they can't get that concept. That is why left wing populism can never stick and it can never succeed um, because their version of populism is, yeah, take care of the people, which I agree with. However, it's anybody, you know, anybody, it's a globalist perspective, socialized medicine for illegal aliens, you know, it's uh, stuff that certainly doesn't put Americans first. Um, so it is not something that will succeed. However, you are seeing populism rise. Um, yes, I am a right wing populist. I was socially conservative, very socially conservative, but I agreed. I was able to reach across the aisle. I had a lot of union workers. I had a lot of Democrats show up and vote for me um, because I was fiscally populist. Um, and, you know, this old fiscal conservatism, um, the George Bush era politics, what we're seeing now with the stimulus package, uh, $600 for the work ordinary American while they're funding globalist big business interests. Um, you know, that is not going to work for the future of America. So the mm -hmm. future is nationalist populism and um, you're going to see more of it. Uh, it's definitely here to stay, like you said. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's going to make the next several years very interesting, regardless what happens with the uh, presidential election right now as it stands. Things are a little bit in limbo. Uh, you know, Joe Biden is claiming president-elect, Trump is claiming that the election was stolen. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that could happen, um, right. you know, 
both in the courts and constitutionally. Uh, right. So I think uh, we're in a very interesting time. What do you have any predictions? Anything that you think is, is right. going to happen? Yeah. So President Trump for months had been saying this is going to be the cause of biggest the biggest fraud in American history. There's going to be foreign interference in this election. Vote by mail is a scam. It is going to just it produce so much fraud. So he knew that walking into this election. Mm -hmm. I think that they were prepared. I think that they have everything. Um, he is certainly a man who will not give up and he will not stop fighting. He's made that very clear. Um, even when the GOP establishment, you know, just the other day, they sent out the RNC, sent out an email with his um, disclaimer on it saying, should Trump win in 2024 so or run in 2024? So they were insinuating that President Trump was giving up the fight already. Everybody you know, is. Yeah. And that's, you know, it just it's crazy. I, I I would never think that Trump would give up the fight. And uh, I I think even if he is not successful, there's probably going to be a lot of political moves that he's going to make uh, until 2024, if, if that were the case. Uh, but uh, I, I don't think Trump's going away anytime soon. No, he's definitely not done. Um, I see, you know, realistically speaking, Trump won in a landslide on November 3rd to the point that they had to stop counting at 10 p.m. at night so they could produce ballots for Joe Biden. The evidence of fraud is there. They, he said, we have, we caught them all. Um, I certainly believe that in the next couple of weeks, but they also had to go through this process with the courts. They had to go through these hearings where they, um, interviewed eyewitness testimonies. I mean, I have no doubt that there was fraud because they exposed it on. I've been seeing it mm -hmm. for the last couple of weeks. So I kind of understand their method of where they were going to expose to the American people that there was fraud. Um, and I think it's, but he's going through it constitutionally. Now we have, uh, it's up to Vice President Mike Pence. Uh, in two days, he can go after the contested slates. He can go after each state that um, has evidence of fraud, specifically mm -hmm. the swing states, and be like, hey, you need to um, help end this controversy and do whatever it takes to settle this um, before he walks into this on January 6th. So I think we're going to see a lot uh, more exposed. I think that it will be overturned. Um, I believe that President Trump will be taking office on January 20th. And, you know, I have this mentality, win at all costs, because Joe Biden, if he gets into office, our nation is done. Open borders, we will never, um, you know, 20 million illegal aliens amnesty right mm -hmm. away, first day. Then they get the right to vote. We never elect a conservative representative, a conservative president of the United States ever again. It's impossible. GOP is done. Um, so it's fight now, win now, or lose forever. And that's what's at stake. No, I, I definitely can see that playing out. I will say this, if Trump, if your prediction comes true and Trump is uh, inaugurated on January 20th, I think he definitely goes into this term with a little bit stronger of a hand knowing who has his back and who doesn't. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I think he has, you know, he walked into this as a businessman. He wasn't a politician. And I don't think he knew how deep the swamp actually went. And he made the mistakes of surrounding himself with um, these people, these deep state swamp rats. You know, that is what happened. And in some cases, he really set himself up for failure. But I think that he, I mean, we've seen recently that he's been firing everybody, replacing them with Trump loyalists. I'm like, it's about time. You know, I'm happy to see Absolutely. it. 
Um, you know, it's long past time, but he did make a few mistakes, but that is because he wasn't a politician. He was a businessman. So I don't think he knew how deep the swamp went. However, I think he's learning a lot as he goes too, um, which is good. And I'd like to see Trump um, really surround himself with, you know, loyal people, people mm -hmm. who will stand by him. You know, even now we're watching as GOP senators turn their back on him. GOP senators, mind you, who would have never won without riding that Trump wave. You know, they would have never won had Trump not endorsed them in their primary. And they're just completely ignoring the fraud. They're acting like it didn't happen, turning their backs on Trump. What a bunch of sellouts. Um, you know, it's just shocking to me, but it doesn't surprise me because um, that's just... <laughs> you know, <laughs> our political class, but it's, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. There's a lot of things about this last election that really just, they were very uh, shocking and, you know, I, it all comes down to the math, I think. And, you know, we can bring in people who say, well, I saw this, I saw this. And it really comes down to, do, do you trust that individual to be telling the truth? But the math doesn't lie. So as they're going through the different votes, the recounts, like what they had in uh, Antrim County, Michigan, I think those are really telling the story of this election. And it's it's not necessarily unprecedented because, you know, we've, we've had uh, contested elections like this several times in our past. Granted, it's not been in recent history, but we we've dealt with it before. So there's precedent. There's there's things that we can absolutely follow. Um, with the with all that stuff, is there anything that you found particularly important that I, you think people are maybe missing? What are they missing? Uh, you know, I think there has been fraud. You know, what if there was fraud for decades and mm -hmm. we've just been propagandized into thinking otherwise? You know, I think, in my opinion, the Democrat Party has been dead for decades, probably, um, you know, because normal people don't want post-birth abortions. Normal people don't want drag queen story hour. And that is what the Democrat Party has evolved to. You know, I'm, I mean, any average person, even if you're a blue dog Democrat or just a working class citizen who's fiscally liberal, like nobody wants that. Like they've become the party of degeneracy and perversion. Um, but the media keeps telling us, oh, you want this. Oh, people vote for this. Um, and it just goes to show how much power the media has. And I think we've learned um, how much power they really have um, in influencing a nation, you know, to believing these lies that um, this is normal. And, you know, I think people, you know, it's really sad to see they've really divided our nation as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we we should never be this divided. However, we have a hostile media who has provoked um, the people, you know, right wingers, we're, we're peaceful people, you know, we're not out rioting and looting, killing people in the streets. Um, however, you know, if you watch the media, they say we're all, you know, what is it, white supremacists and radicals and, you know, it, it's just crazy. And um, yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing that people need to understand is that the media is not your friend. Uh, they never will be your friend, um, you know, unless there's a total overhaul of the whole thing. No offense to you, Mike. I know your media. <laughs> You know, no, no, none taken. I, <laughs> I criticize my uh, peers and myself as 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 needed. Uh, you know, if I screw up, I you know I want to be accountable to the people, and I think everyone should be like that, especially in journalism. I think credibility is lost, and I think we need to get it back. Um, so it doesn't bother me one bit to hear criticism. It's a lot of criticism. I've yeah. been saying, yeah. 
but oh. it's like mostly it's you know big business um you know these corporate um, media outlets like cnn even fox news i mean they called the election for joe biden and they were the quickest to sell out on us you know who did they actually think watched their show their shows you know like that was trump's base and as soon as they turned on donald trump bam that's where newsmax that's where oan just jumped up because you know trump's base is so loyal you know trump supporters will follow him anywhere um, Fox, people aren't loyal to Fox News. They're loyal to President Trump. So whoever turns, I mean, they have everybody going after the Supreme Court justices now, you know? It's Trump, baby. <laughs> I, um, you know, I, I think it's this election has really highlighted the disconnect between the media and people. You know, it used to be the media was, you know, it was shoe gum reporters who were, you know, chasing down a story you don't see that anymore. It's, hey, so-and-so said this on Twitter, and so that becomes the story. And it's yeah. not really digging into things, I've noticed. But also, you're seeing just, I, I don't, wouldn't even say fleeing, it's a diaspora of people from a lot of the places that are locked down. You're seeing New York, New Jersey, people I'm talking to who live there are like, oh no, people are fleeing. They are just leaving. Yeah. I'm here in California, and they just, wrote an article yesterday, looks like uh, California for the first time. And I, I can't remember when it's going to lose electoral college votes due to this census because so many people have left. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and um, going back to media, you know, they, like you said, they're not chasing people down for stories. They're not covering real life issues. They're not going out there and covering the family that can't afford to feed their children because their small business was shut down. No, what they do is they get a narrative every morning and mm -hmm. they're told what they're going to say. Like, this is the narrative we're going for today. President mm -hmm. Trump's the devil. These right wingers who are protesting the lockdowns, they're the devil. Um, they want to kill your grandma by giving her COVID, you know, and, but they're not really covering the reality of what, everyday Americans are seeing, you know, I'm seeing more homeless people showing up on the streets in Delaware. I'm seeing food bank lines that are miles long. You know, mm -hmm. that is the reality of what is on the ground here. Um, you know, they just recently started covering the spike in overdoses. Um, mm -hmm. They're like, how did this happen? You know, I've been saying that my entire campaign. I said, it is going to be double because what you're going to do is you're going to, people are going to be out of work. They're mm -hmm. going to be unemployed they're going to be unable to take their family like take care of their families and they're going to resort to hopelessness depression isolation drug addiction and that is exactly what happened um and now they're like acting like oh we don't know what happened we don't know how this happened no they knew they were warned they knew it was going to happen and they did it anyway and they supported it anyway and they orchestrated it so it's absolutely inexcusable and unless you can survive off $600 for the next several months, I don't think the government is going to be a help to you at all. No, no. And if you get a good look at what else is in the bill, I mean, we have billions of dollars going to foreign nations. You know, this is supposed to be a an American stimulus package going to the American businesses, American mm -hmm. people. Um, you know, we dealt with a lot of pork in the last package, you know, the Kennedy Center. No, that's in there this time, but also now they're paying other nations. Um, they're giving other nations foreign aid in our COVID stimulus package that our grandchildren are gonna be paying off. $10 million to gender studies in Pakistan. Please tell me how that is going to address the COVID crisis here in, in you know, America. Um, yeah, and it's just, it's disgraceful. These people aren't rational. They aren't sane. Who would think of something like that? That's um, uh, 
Larry Schweikart, I don't know if you follow him at all, but uh, he tweeted out earlier, he goes, I'm really happy that the transgendered in Pakistan are going to feel much better about their gender uh, choice when they're being stoned to death. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. It's just, it, and it's like, why are we even worried about these people? Um, you know, like, it's like America first. Take care of us. We have enough problems as it is. You know, I was happy to see that they're at least sending money for gender studies elsewhere and they're not spending it here. At least they're not corrupting our kids, you know, but even still, it's just like I said, it's they're not rational people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it, it's a very interesting time. And I mean, you know, I was seeing a lot of things here in California that, you know, people elsewhere, because I've got family all over the country and they were like, oh, in California, you guys are doing this. I'm like, I don't think you're quite seeing everything. And we're seeing a lot of groundswell of new ideas here that people are willing to fight for. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's, I don't think, I think we're entering even more turbulent times. Uh, oh, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, Congress is, you know, by launching that package even today, it's like, did they not think that this was going to cause an uprising? They're going to deserve it. Um, they did this. Even today, people in Oregon stormed the Capitol building when they were having hearings about the COVID crisis and more lockdowns. They stormed it. The police bear maced the people and they turned around and maced them right back and stormed in. And I thought it was absolutely great because that building belongs to us. It was paid for by taxpayers. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it is our constitutional right to walk through those doors and nobody can stop that. And I think it's really great to see that patriots are taking their rights back um, and demanding back what is ours. You know, people, enough is enough. And they poked the bear for so long. And we kept our mouths shut as they rioted and looted our streets. We kept our mouths shut um, as our cities burned. And we didn't, they didn't provoke us to anger. But it, when you try to mess with our president, when you try to steal an election, when you mess with our vote and you mess with our voice, something happened and enough yeah. became enough. And that is what you're going to see more of. And it's nobody's fault, but Congress and our elected officials who have failed us. Um, and let us down and turn their backs on us. They've absolutely abandoned us. Now, what would you say to the average American out there who's who's watching you and I talk right now that you think, you know, they, they normally don't think they can make a, a big impact on things. What would you say to them of, here's what you can do with everything going forward? Right. So I think one of the biggest things we learned this year is how important local elections are, you know, mayors. Uh, mayors actually have a say in uh, if their uh, city becomes a sanctuary city. Look at Mayor Lightfoot. Look at like how she led the charge on the lockdowns and arresting people for being out. Um, you know, it starts local. Run for office. Get out. Run for city council. Get out there and primary people who have not fought for us. Mm -hmm. um, the old GOP establishment is dead. America first is the future. And if you're a young person with young, like new ideas, and you're willing to fight for what you believe in, running for office is so easy. I started my campaign with twenty-five dollars in my campaign account. Um, no experience. My one staffer was volunteering uh, because I didn't have any money to pay him, but we just went out there and we hit the streets and we started talking about things that mattered and people listen and we listen to their concerns. So anybody can run for office. And if a hundred of us run, 
25 of us at least will win. And that is how we continue to push the movement forward. I love the name of your media outlet, The New Right, because that is what is rising up, The New Right. And it only happens if you get out and you run for office and you get involved. Now, I do want to, you kind of touched on some things. Are we going to see you on the ballot again? Or if not, what do you see is in in your future of the next several years? Yeah, so right now I am in a place of prayer and waiting. Uh, I'm not sure. I I don't know. You know, I after the election, the day after the election, um, I was like, God, what, what's next for me? Like, I don't, I don't know. And I felt like I needed to go out and fight and do something and fight the election. Like, but I felt like God told me, like, you just got to be still. Like right now, it's just my time of waiting. So I don't know. Um, I'm not sure what he has planned for me. I know he has good plans, um, but I certainly want to help other candidates run. Um, you know, I've been talking to a lot of youngsters on Twitter who messaged me like, hey, I'm running for city council. Can you give me advice? Yes, absolutely. Um, so definitely staying involved in politics. Not sure if I'm going to end up on the ballot again. We'll see. I might be forced to run and embarrass another GOP establishment hack like I did this year. But, you know, uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> um one thing, because, you know, like I said, here at NRN, we were following your campaign. We loved your campaign. But there's been a lot of other people on the, the alt-right, I guess you could say, who they they did run for office. But I don't want to say that it didn't look like they were putting their full weight into it, I, I guess is what I would say. Do you see as some of these firebrands out there as maybe being a problem uh, when it comes to running for office? Okay. Um, I really don't know of any true America first candidates um, that ran on an as conservative platform as I did um, this year. Um, I know like Lauren Boebert, you know, I don't know, like she won, she ended up winning. Um, Marjorie, I know she was a big QAnon follower. She mm -hmm. ended up winning. Um, you know, so I think that, you know, it just, it just depends. You know, you have to stay optical too. That's very important. Um, you have to stay optical because it's easy sometimes to get angry and say things, um, you know, sometimes they're true. You know, sometimes we say true things that you can't say. Um, but <laughs> so remaining optical is important. Um, but also people like to see you're working hard as well. You know, hard work. Um, people notice that's for sure. What would you say is probably the biggest thing that you learned during this campaign? Maybe something that di you didn't expect or something that jumped out that you're like, wow, I, I knew about this, but I didn't realize it was this important or this big or that type of thing. Yeah. Um, working class citizens are the most disenfranchised voting base. That is what I learned. Um, you know, the working class people. Um, especially white working class people. You know, we are the ones who are most affected by the opioid epidemic. Christians um, are very, very persecuted. Um, you know, they vandalized our churches and nobody said anything. Um, you know, and you'll get called names for saying that or even addressing that or being like, you know, even standing up. Um, however, I did notice that they are a big demographic, but they are the most disenfranchised, especially um, lower income, just working class people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so get out and fight for them. You know, that was my base. That was my voting base. And I did very well with them. And I love them. And, you know, it's just, we got to fight for our people instead of pandering to the left. And we don't become, we don't beat the liberals by becoming more liberal. 
we beat the liberals by standing by what we believe in and motivating our people to get out and vote, give them you, something worth voting for. You know, that's one thing that I, I think, uh, you know, just from my observations that I think the GOP has lost sight of. That's you don't win by putting the middle of the road guy who doesn't really want to take a stance one way or another. Right. You win by someone who's willing, and I'm coming at this from a Marine, a Marine officer. You always are successful by a leader who's decisive and who says, this is what I want. Follow me or move out of the way. And um, I, I don't think the GOP quite understands that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. They don't get it. Um, you know, but they've also sold out to big business interest as well. You know, they just co-sponsored a bill uh, called the S-386. Senate passed it unanimously, displacing the entire tech industry workforce with Indian guest workers is what it is, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and the GOP led the charge on that. That is because their big corporate donors want cheap foreign labor. Um, you know, so, I mean, there's certainly work to do in the GOP. However... Mm -hmm we win by primarying them and telling people, you know, like everybody, nobody wants to be displaced in the workforce with a cheap foreign labor guest worker. Nobody wants that for themselves, you know, and I'm willing to pay 50 extra cents for, you know, some lettuce or 50 extra cents or, you know, 20 extra bucks uh, to have my sweatshirt made in America so my neighbor can have a job, you know, and that is what is important. Um, we have to go back to valuing American traditions and what is important instead of chasing um, the GDP as our God almighty, you know, it's about looking out for each other. Um, and that is what the GOP certainly has lost sight of is just tradition, American mm -hmm. tradition, taking care of Americans first, um, you know, and putting aside our corporate donor interests. Mm -hmm. No, it's, it's, uh, it's quite interesting to hear you say that because, you know, as you were talking, I was just thinking about things we've already talked about, about, you know, I've talked about the history of populism, but then you're talking about the working class people out there. And it really seems that there's anger out there, not frustration, not fear, but pure anger. Would you say that? Uh, oh yeah. Well, it has progressed to anger and it started with a lot of people letting things slide. Like, okay, mm -hmm. I don't really like this, but you know, whatever. And then it progressed to now I'm getting frustrated. And now it's at the point where it's like, hey, I'm out of the job. You guys are pandering to other people, ignoring me, sending money, my tax money abroad and setting up my children's life for destitution. Um, you know, people are starting to notice and they're starting to get angry. You know, our self-preservation -pre is starting to kick in. Um, especially now when they have kept us locked down and in our homes uh, for months. And it was never the science. They keep talking about the science, but the, the science doesn't prove themselves right. They prove them right. Mm -hmm. um, it's actually very false and it's very um, uh, perverted. Uh, and, you know, people are waking up to it and people are getting angry. Yeah. And you know what? It's nobody's fault, but our elected officials. The two times in history where I've seen that two come combinations of popul populism and anger come together. Uh, obviously, the first one was the Civil War. You know, the abolitionists were tired of the Missouri-Kansas Compromise. It, it, it started with John Brown, uh, you know, invading uh, Harper's Ferry uh, to try to rise up the slaves. And But, you know, everyone just kept kicking the can down the 
down the alleyway until it finally exploded in Civil War. The other time uh, was the uh, turn of the century uh, with uh, where we finally saw big business moving forward. And it was it was finally when Teddy Roosevelt uh, stepped forward with the square deal that the populace finally had their voice. And, uh, you know, it took years of fighting and riots and uh, strikes to, to finally make that happen. So that's that's where my mind goes, yeah. you know, hearing you talk about No, I, I'm a huge fan of Teddy Roosevelt. I based a lot of my um, political ideas off, were inspired by him, you know? So I, I respect the way he took on the monopolies, how he, you know, he was a hunter, you know, he was a traditionalist. I think he was a great uh, man. And he, the biggest thing that you will find with populists is they care about the ordinary person. And that is what is important, you know, caring about not, you know, how much money they can donate to you or how much, what they can do for you. It's, you know, public servanthood. And, you know, that is what being an elected, elected official is supposed to be. And, you know, that's what I ran as, you know, I, I wanted to, I'm gifted in servanthood leadership. You know, you teach others, um, you know, you raise others up to replace you basically, essentially. Um, and that is what populism is. And, you know, right-wing populism is not caving on traditional values, family values, my Christian values. Um, I'm a conservative, I'm a staunch conservative, and I didn't waver on that. There was no question in the state of Delaware that I was gonna cave on the issue of life. Um, there was no question in the state of Delaware when I ran that I would cave on the issue of the second amendment. No, I stood firm and I was very open about it. It's like, you sent me to the US Senate to undo these red flag laws. How about that, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. And yeah, and you know, so that's how you motivate your base to come out and vote for you. Um, you know, they will forgive, you know, I, w I wasn't very fiscally conservative, you know, but the fiscal conservatives will forgive you if mm -hmm. you go out there and you fight for their interests. You know what? I may not be the most fiscally responsible person. Um, however, you know, I'm not going to let your family starve during a COVID-19 crisis when you're out of work. I'm also not going to let them start aborting babies and charging you or you're paying your tax dollars or paying for it. You know, that is not what I'm going to allow. Uh, so, you know, there's uh, benefits to it and there is a way to win over um, a multitude of people. You know, I had left-wing populists, actually a lot of communists, I think vote for me too, just because they hated Chris Coons, but whatever, I'll take it. <laughs> just because they're sick of the establishment too. Um, so, you know, um, yeah, I, I forgot what your question was, but. <laughs> oh, no, no, that was funny. You, you actually hit on a lot of really great points there. So I'm, you're fine. Um, okay. I do see though, I do, I don't want to take up all of your time tonight because I know yeah. you're very busy. Uh, we do, uh, I do know that we want to see you on a ballot again. So if uh, yeah. if you okay. feel so inclined to move, uh, I know that a lot of our voices here would be looking forward to that. Okay, all right. I uh, I'm really thinking about it. I <laughs> I don't know. It's and like I said, had it been any other year, I would have won because yes. usually Chris doesn't get garner more than 130,000 votes per election ever. And this time he garnered 290,000. It was unprecedented numbers, um, you know, and we had Dominion machines. So I'm, mm -hmm. I, it was a lot closer. I may do it again. You may have inspired me, <laughs> but I'll keep you posted. <laughs> well, 
In the meantime, where can everyone find you if they're looking for you on the internet? Yeah, sure. So I have a Facebook page. It's called Lauren Witzke for Delaware. Uh, you can follow me on there. Uh, I also am on Twitter at Lauren Witzke DE as in Delaware. Uh, so please give me a follow, check me out. And um, yeah, thank you again, Mike, for having me on. It was such a pleasure. Oh, no, we we are definitely humbled that you were able to finally come on. Yes. We, we, we've been looking forward to it for so long. And for all of our viewers, I want them to know that you can find us at www.newrightnetwork.com. Again, that's www.newrightnetwork.com, all spelled out, and also at www.nrnplus.com. Again, that's www.nrnplus.com. If you want to subscribe, it's $9.95 for the month or $79.95 for the year. Uh, you can follow us uh, on Twitter, all other social media at, at New Right Network. And, uh, Lauren, thank you again for coming on and, yeah. uh, you know, best of luck to you in the future. And uh, we hope you come back on our network again. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And I look forward to coming back for sure. Oh, thank you very much. And everyone out there have a, a safe and very happy holidays. Merry Christmas. You've been listening to New Right Network, mobilizing, countering, energizing. Online at newrightnetwork.com.